The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And tame, and tame again. Crank up the music, charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Can a snooker player have his scoring boots on? The absolute peak of the bottle of wine for Jose Mourinho's subgenre. The Premier League safety zone. A 9 out of 10 for my sinsing. Who can and cannot be a team's linchpin? How early is too early to tweet the calm before the storm? What positions can a footballer be by trade? And Keys and Grey plant their flag in this podcast's territory. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 158 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me for the adjudication panel today is Charlie Eccleshare. Hello Adam. Hello and David Walker, how are you doing? I'm very good. Unrotated squad yet again. We, we must have some sort of telepathic connection by now, Charlie. This is the longest run of Adam, Charlie, Dave we've had. Is that right? It must be. I haven't, I haven't got a I spreadsheet. Mean, it it, just it feels clear. it, yeah. Well, yeah, we're so used to, aren't we, that Opta will have tweeted this out or something consistent full stop we'll get stuck into our friends at opta later on actually um but let's let's start the adjudication panel with a very tense moment it was uh, this is from gary vanin who was watching the northern premier league premier division playoff semi-final between south shields and warrington town very tense moment it was heading for a penalty shootout but that tension was sliced through in a way that only football could do i think one of the issues yellows might have is buckley ricketts clearly has he's not a center forward buckley ricketts and has he got the not the eye. Davis oh, has it. taken one in the uh, in the <laughs> wedding vegetables. There, as Bodnum tried to clear it, comes oh. straight into uh, well. Amos's sensitive area. <laughs> that is not where you want to take one on a cold night. <laughs> Ouch! <There's> <laughs> I think is the word. Stunning hat trick. <laughs> Of references there, Charles. <laughs> Everything you want, but I've never never heard wedding vegetables. Wedding vegetables? No, that's. Uh, ha- have we looked into that? Is is that an acceptable term, or is, is he it, is he freestyling? I don't dislike it, Charlie, but I think it's a little bit close to like kind of the Twitter, the twee Twitter phenomenon of cockwomble, etc. Sort of twee swearing. Yeah, it's I mean, close. normally because the go-to is like crown jewels, there, isn't it? But he seems very to be. He, he seems like a striker, kind of gleefully accepting a gift. He seems very excited at the opportunity, and he's not gonna. He's not gonna pass it up. But, I mean, apart from the terminology, Dave, it was greeted with just the exact amount of mirth that it should be, even in the circumstances of a very tense game. Yes. Yeah, a, a refreshing amount of mirth, I think. I'd actually. say arguably more mirth than <laughs> you'd expect. No, well, yeah, more than you'd expect. But I think it was nice. Yeah, because if this, if this was Sky, you don't you don't get laughter. You don't get mm. laughter from Alan Smith, do you? It's all. It's knowing. Yeah. Yeah. This, that, this, that'll this was hurt. In-house Club commentary, I should I should add. So there was always going to be an element of levity. This was the Warrington Town broadcasters. So yeah, there was it was always going to be on the cards. But yeah, but nice, nicely done. And and reference to the cold night, Dave, which is good as well. 
have to squeeze yeah. that in. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to be hit in the wedding vegetables on a hot sunny day either, do no. you, really? No, it's, it's never really pleasant. a good time to be hit in the wedding <laughs> There's never a good time. No, quite right. Next up, um, we return to the crucible. Oh, yes. um, this is from Chris Curtis, um, who noticed that Ken Doherty had squeezed in what I I would say is probably football terminology into John Higgins's struggles against Ronnie O'Sullivan earlier in the tournament. And that's the fascinating duel that these guys are showing us so far in this match. John Higgins hasn't got a scoring boots on, but he's still on level. Charlie, how do you feel? Interesting. About verbing boots being used in any other sport. Oh, I mean, I don't. I can't really say I've watched enough snooker to know whether this is an established Same. concept. Mm. I kind of like. I mean, I, I don't mind it. Sort of. Neither do I. O- opening up other franchises in different sports mm. uh, and becoming quite granular. I mean, I, someone was asking me this actually the other day want to put it to you guys when someone doesn't have their shooting boots on that means they are taking shots they're just not going in rather than they're they're shot shy yeah definitely it's not about being shot shy and it's 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 shots from distance that you know are Mm. way off or you know not quite on their haven't got their sight set yet but i I worry what literally dave is going to think about this (laughs) (laughs) they're not wearing boots they're not wearing boots for snooker how about uh Potting shoes. Potting shoes. <laughs> yeah. Potting brogues. <laughs> Potting slip-ons. Yeah, I, I feel like I can make an allowance for this, Dave. I mean, everyone knows what scoring boots means, and uh, and I feel like it can be translated to other sports. I mean, what, what else? I mean, I guess have? the only thing, though, is that it's a bit... Um, it's more the end result than the process to get to the end result. Because you're not talking about, like, he doesn't have his goal-scoring boots on. It's talking about his shooting boots. It's, it's, it's about how you get there rather than... Just... I've got his queuing slippers on today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's a slightly different thing. They've slightly jumped. Uh, although I guess... Yeah, no, it, it, it is like that. Do they need grip? I'm sure they must need grip on the bottom of their shoes for certain shots, Dave. I mean, they look a bit too, too slippery, those shoes. I don't know. Once your, your foot's planted... Mm. On the on the on the hallowed carpet of the crucible, <laughs> should be fine. <laughs> well, there we go. No one's ever talks about the carpet of the crucible, do they? It's always about the bays. But what about the, you know the iconic carpet? Can't even think what it looks like actually. Now, now I think about it, kind of mar- salmony, maroony sort of. Yeah, but it wasn't patterned, was it? Exactly distracting, wouldn't it? No, yeah, yeah definitely not like not. a Weatherspoons. No, <laughs> definitely not. Honestly, I couldn't picture it in my head. But anyway, the snooker's over for another year, so uh, haven't got to worry about that for another while. Uh, next up, this is from uh, the Europa Conference League last week. A real collision of all the vital ingredients that you need for this. Jose Mourinho, Brendan Rodgers and a bottle of wine. You did it in the last round. You're going to have to do it again. How much do you believe that this group of players can go to Roma and get the result to send you to your first ever European final? Yeah, I think he gave me the best wine in the market <laughs> it costs a lot of money <laughs> can you remember all friendships on a, on a night like that have you managed to have a word with him yeah yeah I spoke to him at length before the game and uh, he's got his bottle of wine so he'll be happy For he brought you. me the best Portuguese bottle of wine <laughs> he's crying because he's really expensive <laughs> but he wanted to give me my favourite bottle of Portuguese wine and it's very difficult to find I don't know how he found I know how he paid <laughs> but, uh, will, you, will you drink it if you 
gets the final, or will you only drink it if you win the final? I think I'm going to drink next week. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what. You know. Doesn't matter what. I think he was surprised that I was able to get it. So, uh, but I have to. Yeah, as I said, he hopefully enjoys it. He's he's a good man. He he, he done a lot for my career, and it was just a, a gesture to thank him for that. He really does know where where you got it from. Is a, a top top wine merchant in in Leicester. That was very hard. There was only one bottle of those, I believe, in the UK. So um, I have to thank my PA, who was able to track it down and and, and get it, and she done a great job. So uh, so yeah. Uh, hopefully enjoys it. I mean, the, the sheer length of that clip, Charlie, rams home the point of... Incredible. It, this is the final boss of Jose Mourinho wine chat. Uh, this is the last remaining sliver of Mourinho's thrall in the world of football. This is all. This is the only kind of influence he holds over people now is that, that they had to get him a bottle of wine. And then, as I said, it had all the vital ingredients. It had Mourinho, Rogers, and a bottle of wine. But of course, Gary Cotterill is in there somewhere just egging them on. Of yeah. course he is. Of course I feel he's like there. he's the sort of puppet master yeah. in, in all of this. I just love... I mean, Rogers, it appears, shares Ned Bolting's assessment of Mourinho's grasp of the English language because he talks to him like he's talking to a foreign cab driver or something it's so weird (laughs) it cost a lot of money like who does he think Jose is like that was really weird he he must think and they know each other quite well as well exactly yeah it's like it's like he's never spoken to him or he thinks he doesn't speak the language it's so funny but I'd only seen that bit I hadn't Mm. seen all those uh Additional ones. How many different press conferences is that taking place over? And there's at least three there. These yeah. come up separately each time. <laughs> there's a lot because you've got Rogers is first is just an individual TV interview after. Then you've got his post match press conference. You've got Mourinho's post match press conference, and then it looks like you've got Rogers' pre Spurs preview press conference, where whoever's gone along and asked that question was that one Cottrell? I think it was. Yeah. Has obviously got to follow this up, get some more, get some more on the wine. It was already um, too much, but then don't string it along to the next game's pre pre match press conference. What the hell is going on? There's too much I, coverage of wine. If, Even us if, talking about it is by extension too much, <laughs> but it's there and we have to deal with it. The opportunity was there for me. I was at his press conference after the Spurs game. I could have gone in for more. Brendan, disappointing <laughs> result. Just want to just just want to really Can check in imagine? again on the wine. <laughs> Um, I've said all I wanted to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't believe no one's asked, unless they have and we haven't played it, what kind of wine it was. Yeah, they know, has they it not been said before? It's just very rare. That's, has that's was it red, white? Was it a vino verde? Is it almost accepted amongst the kind of Mourinho files that we know his is a Madeira something or other? Right. Maybe not, in, wh- in which case that is an oversight. I think it properly sort of heralds the sort of, the kind of winter years now of Jose mm. Mourinho. Mm-hmm. It's very Fergie, isn't it? Yeah. I won't, you know, it's... It, the old Jose wouldn't have been up for any of this sort of mm. stuff. And now he's crashing interviews, talking about wine, going to have it whether, regardless of what happens next week. doesn't give a toss, does he? To employ a very strange analogy, if anyone remembers uh, children's TV hit Nightmare, where that little shit, oh, yeah, that yeah. little mask in the corner kind of bits and pieces fell off it as 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 they struggled through the and game. And you had to guide the, you had to guide your person, so one step ahead, two yeah. steps to the right. Yeah. yeah, this is the last piece of Mourinho's mask on Nightmare, getting a bottle of wine. All the other bits, <laughs> all the other bits of his, um, of his mystique have gone 
Like he doesn't players don't care about him anymore. He can't control games. He 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 doesn't you know set up a team before a game and predicts what's going to happen and then they win one 0 and goes wow he predicted exactly what was going to happen. None of this happens anymore. They, he just gets bottles of wine and that's yeah. it. And, it, and uh. oh, the whole thing was just too much. And then on top of all of that, Charlie, did you did you see the post match embrace between Rogers and Mourinho? So the pre match one. Oh, maybe I did see the post match. It was it was everything. It's, just it's just a, both a lot. Clasping yeah, cheeks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mourinho sort of jabbing his finger in, in an implication that is, you guys have done a great job here, kind of patronising thing, yeah. which again, he doesn't even do that well anymore either. And then a final head pat from Rogers to Mourinho, which was historically good, actually, um, given Mourinho's usual stranglehold over this. So the whole thing was a real collision of personality. Mm. I think, but yeah, well done all round. Hope we'd have to deal with that again because that's that's just too much, too much coverage of wine. Um, but speaking of Brendan Rodgers, Rob Murphy writes in and says, "My girlfriend has just asked what Brendan Rodgers means by this um, in his match of the day interview after their defeat at Spurs." The corner's been a, an issue for us all season. It's, we, we lack aggression and cuteness in that element at certain times. You can you can organise, you can do all the different aspects, but we have to be much better and, and a little cuter. In the game. Charlie Robb goes on to say, I suspect that Brendan means something different to when commentators say that a striker has been too cute. That is, they've overcomplicated things. Is defensive cuteness a synonym for dark arts or something else? Or are there different types of football in cuteness? What does Rogers mean, Charlie? This has increasingly crept into football. Mm. I just I just think we need to be a little bit more cute. Passes. So, so I think in this context, yeah, you're talking about it, it's not far off the dark arts. Mm. It's doing things like little block offs, little things that you, you rarely get penalised for. They're probably technically illegal, but they they are a bit dark artsy. They're sort of being smart, mm. managing it's the game properly, isn't it? It's cleverness. It's cleverness, but in a, in a tiny microscopic way, like not yeah. doing big clever things. Just exactly, doing tiny yeah. clever things. As we mentioned last week, Sunes loves to talk about this, talk about cute passes. They need someone who can just play that cute pass. So there's there's sort of a duality to it. It, it could, as you say, it could be used as some as kind of yeah, dark arts managing the game, being streetwise. But also it could be like James Madison, Harvey Barnes, Jury Tielemans, just playing that little ball just inside the <laughs> fullback, just that just. Little. Finding that those little pockets of space and playing those little one twos around the edge of the penalty area, and Rogers was talking about that. For like from Rogers was talking about defending. Was he talking about defending corners? Yeah, because they can yeah. see a lot from set pieces. So yeah, so in that context, yeah, perhaps we need to be a bit tighter, be a bit, be a bit cuter with our movements. But it's yeah, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a versatile word. It is really interesting because you would if you run through and try and dink the keeper mm. and he stands up, he's just been a bit too cute. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. I, I think it. he's just got to finish that. I hadn't heard of defensive cuteness before, I know, but now this is this kind of mushroom definition of cute in footballing. It means pretty much anything that's small, mm. tiny, and, and <laughs> something you have to kind of become inherently good at rather uh, than he's, he's just been he's been a bit cute there. Mm. He's been a bit. Cu- Someone like Aspilicueta is often quite cute. I know he got penalised the other week, but he's he's been cute. You you, you don't quite foul them, but you're doing the right. sort of I've got my hands up cuteness interesting i hope you've answered that for rob murphy and his girlfriend um Medi george writes in and he's not having this from the bbc's match report of everton's win over chelsea this weekend it begins everton moved within two points of the premier league safety zone with a priceless no. win over chelsea <laughs> <laughs> what? 
the safety zone. <laughs> the safety zone. Or all of the rest of the league. <laughs> <laughs> you can kind of see how it's happened. I mean, we, we know now we've got to the point of the season, Charlie, where relegation chat is just so autopilot. We There are so many phrases that we just use kind of without even thinking. It, it's such a well-worn narrative, the, the relegation dogfight, that safety zone is kind of a natural byproduct of this. It's just crept in. Safety zone. You just say it and, and that's what it is. 17 Especially- places. Especially as we learnt the derivation of drop zone uh, the other week, and yeah. it pains me to bring it up, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's an actual military term. Maybe there is a safety zone, well, there probably is a safety zone, but yes, uh, I, I don't think I've ever heard a team being, you know, you can say above the dotted line. Yeah. Is, uh, I mean, we, could, we could extend it even further, David, but this idea that, I don't know, Man City and Liverpool are like 60 points yeah. from danger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're ensconced in the safety zone. Yeah, languishing at the top. <laughs> <laughs> safety zone. It works in a weird way. Like it, it you know, many mm, people it just passes no. over their heads. But no, I us. don't think. No, it, it, you're being far too kind there. Especially it, when it doesn't work. It's not a zone. It's, it's too not big zone, to be a zone. It? A zone yeah. is a small place within a larger area. <laughs> from That's... safety, it's just... exactly. I was just going to say, yeah. you've got from safety is right yeah. there, just waiting for you. Let's return to familiar territory. Not the, not our, our indeed our safety zone. This is from Stevie BG, who noted an excellent for my sins on the chase on Monday. Okay, cool. Favourite sport of all time, would you say? Even though I love American football, it's still got to be football. I'm a big Tottenham Hotspur fan. Yeah. For my sins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Okay. What's so great about that is it's almost like he feels like he's forgotten to say it and then quickly says it. It's not a straightaway after I'm a Tottenham fan. Yeah, for, uh, for my sins. Interesting reading from you because I, I read it completely differently, Charlie. I read it that he did it very knowingly and there was there was a little chuckle from the crowd as well, Dave, as if it's like a, this growing phenomenon. There was a real look on his face that suggests that it was pre-planned. It was a pre-planned for my sinning. And I had a little bit of research. It turns out Andrew Wilshire is a, is a sports journalist. So he's he's in and around the discourse of for my sins. But that right. wouldn't necessarily refute that because it might still be that he would went in wanting to say it, then forgot and was like, "Oh shit, I need to say this in a this will be funny kind of way." And I, also, yeah. people that go on quiz shows often go on more than one. You know, they're often serial quizzes, mm. aren't they? Mm. He, could he have been on Popmaster? Is he a, he probably a regular listener to Popmaster? Well, we know we've established the chase. Is is right up there as a for my sinsy platform, almost as much as Popmaster. Maybe it doesn't have quite the culture, the historical culture, but it is right up there because Bradley Walsh really does encourage for my sinsing. He's he's very open to it, so I'm not surprised. But I do wonder if this is a podcast listener. He doesn't follow me on Twitter, so that's and I'm not, I'm not saying that's a blow, <laughs> but I'm just saying it does suggest he might not listen to the podcast. Hope, hopefully he does, and that's why it happened. Hopefully he does. Elsewhere on the chase. This is from Drew, a really good example of one of our other favourites. Welcome back, everyone. Next to face the chase, it's Duran. What a name that is, by the way. <laughs> That's an absolute beauty. <laughs> of Townsend about him, Dave. There's a hint of Townsend about Bradley Walsh. It would be beauty. Yeah. No, you're right. They do sound very similar. Yeah. <laughs> what a name that is. Really fun. good. I mean, as in Duran Duran. So it, it, deserving of the... Of the outburst, no, no question. Any sort of Duran Duran material? No, I don't think so. No, they went into they went into the safest territory possible, which was speculating about whether the parents were being 
rather cruel to her by burdening her with the name, um, stuff like that. Actually, Bradley, I'm just named after the famous boxer Roberto Duran. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> what a fighter he was, by the way. But let's return to For My Sinzing, because um, CFC Gilmore has alerted me to the fourth stanza of the Hungarian national anthem, <laughs> which I think mm-hmm. might be the most deserving of the phrase I've seen. Let me read it out to you. Ah, but for our sins, anger gathered in your bosom, and you struck with your lightning from your thundering clouds. Now the plundering Mongols' arrows, you swarmed over us, then the Turks' slave yoke we took upon our shoulders. That sounds very deserving. It seems more than just supporting Spurs. Yeah, that, that's a lot more than just a long-suffering West Ham fan who's, you know... Next time you hear the uh, Hungarian national anthem at a sporting event, doff your cap to some prime for my sinsing. Next up, Opta tweeted out um, a stat about Cristiano Ronaldo on Monday night, saying he scored in nine of Manchester United's last 11 Premier League goals, with eight of those coming at Old Trafford. Lynchpin. Shane writes in, Dave, and says, can a striker really be a lynchpin? Surely it's only reserved for holding midfielders, perhaps a centre-half. Need a ruling here. He's bang on. Lynchpins are centre-backs hmm. and defensive midfielders. Can't have a lynchpin striker. What does it? What what exactly does it mean then? What you what are you taking the linchpin to to mean? Like the key player? It's it's deeper than that. It's more specific yeah. than that. It's about being strong and solid and being dependable and and and, um, and also maybe sort of ever present or at least often present. Because a linchpin is something that holds some. It's like a bit. It like like holds a, something together, doesn't it? It's like a, it's like a cornerstone. That's what I think of. Um... That's oh, what you a, almost have to be. It's a pin passed through the end of an axle to keep a wheel in position. It's nothing to do with tents. So yeah, yeah. so it's like keep. It's like holding every. It's like a, a crucial bit of machinery that keeps everything from falling apart. Which is why I think like a central midfielder mm. or a defender does make a lot more sense. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you need to be central. Without it, this person, we would not function. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a similar mentality, Charlie. To you can't. Strikers, strikers shouldn't be captains. At the same, mm. you know, it just, it just doesn't. It's not, it doesn't look right. It, yeah, that has always felt weird. And actually, I feel like now there are fewer than there. There was a, a brief sort of Alan Shearer inspired period where people thought, oh, maybe, maybe it can be okay. Mm. But now you're more likely to find a goalkeeper, I think, than a yeah. striker as captain. Yeah. Um, but I'm not. I'm not having linchpin for for striker. Sorry, Opta. Good with numbers, not so much with words. Really weird. Collision of worlds on Twitter at the weekend, Dave. Um, Trabzonspor secured the Turkish Super League mm. title, um, a competition very close to our hearts, of course. And uh, right there in the quote tweets, congratulating them with a bicep emoji and two clap emojis, was former Premier League referee Mark Halsey. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why not? Asks, Is this the weirdest congratulatory ref tweet ever? Or the weirdest classy touch crossover we've ever seen. I think it might, but might just be. I'm sure they're delighted to receive uh, his congratulations. <laughs> I don't Good think they day. responded. <laughs> Would pure class from Halsey? Would he have ever ref them? I wonder. Uh, maybe it might it's have possible. Done. Was he a European level referee? I think he. Did. I reckon he might have done like yeah. UEFA Cup or whatever they'd have yeah. been playing at the time. <laughs> did they know? Did they know back <laughs> then? <laughs> it's funny to think that Halsey uh, was a sort of. Peter Walton forebear because mm. he was on BT Sports very very early coverage I remember having the uh, you know and, and similarly as good I would say increasingly convinced that Peter Walton was never a referee actually <laughs> he doesn't is no one, has anyone checked yeah I can't sure, see pictures of him doesn't he do any pictures of him actually doing any refereeing just I can't really remember him yeah yeah someone does need to look into it oh he looks like a ref 
Yeah, but he's just a cameraman. I'll oh, just get in there, Peter. Yeah, he's... he does look like yeah. He just looks like a producer, doesn't he? Yeah. Peter Walton, TV producer. Yeah, they'll never know. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Into the real granular stuff now, Charlie. Isaac writes in and says, What are the prerequisites for the scoreboard to be filmed during a match? Fulham 7, mm. Luton nil seems right, but also not surprising enough to warrant it. I think that's okay. I don't think surprise is necessarily the driving factor here. Isn't it just kind of emphaticness of the scoreline? And if it's surprising too, that's good. I think surprise is, an, is definitely an element. I mean, I think the crossover of famous victory, actually, that would have been a good We talked about famous victories, didn't we? I think often if, if you're showing a scoreboard, that's a surefire sign it's a famous victory. Yeah. Um, like it, it doesn't have to be. It, it obviously can be a big, big scoreline, but I think it also can just be if you know if Liverpool went to United and won three nil back in the day when that was a really big deal. I think that might. That's obviously the lower end of crazy scoreline. I think that might just about pass muster. I think. I, th- I think Dave, it's fair to say here that context overrides number here, doesn't it? I don't think there's that you couldn't apply a threshold here because there are so many other things in play. Definitely, yeah. I think also the type of scoreboard and the position of it, like, can I think Old Trafford. That's bit. what I'm imagining. Interesting. It's a long, a yeah. long, thin one. Yeah. That little, that little weird one on the corner in Old Trafford, isn't it? It's like on the corner yeah. inside the stadium. Yeah, exactly. Charlie says Old Trafford is the most notable scoreboardy place, but I, I also offer you Bayern's old Olympia Stadion. Mm. The most photographed scoreboard of all time, surely. I mean, it, it, well, it, it's had so many notable games, of course. Well, I was going to say, I mean, that's the one talking about context and scoreboard. I mean, obviously, England beating Germany 5-1 is absolutely, we're going to z- zoom. That's the most, that's sort of one of the first comes to my head. But obviously, if Man City beat Watford 5-1, you're not going to be zooming in on no, that scoreboard. No, no. There is something about those old scoreboards that they're sort of like the, what are they? They're like, not LED, but they're like, they're like old fashioned. They're not video, are they? They're like no. the little dots. Yeah. And they look great. They look really nice being photographed and filmed. Whereas the, the uniformity of modern stadium scoreboards, they're all just a big screen. Hmm. with the same Yeah, I mean, often, they, often grounds don't have them anymore they'll, they'll just be shown on the big screen they won't be a separate scoreboard yeah that's a shame yeah. the, de- yeah. the decline of the dedicated scoreboard mm. before it was just absorbed into the other televisual treats of the uh, of the big screen real shame but yeah sorry isaac no real consensus here but yeah just has to take it on a case-by-case basis yeah you know it when you, you know one when you see is one. fulham seven luton nil acceptable just to answer his original question <laughs> within this sort of championship race is an emphatic win to win the title yeah Mitrovic the- breaking the record of the last goal like there's a lot in there that kind of ticks the boxes i think for me. seven onwards overrides everything i think if you yeah, think at that yeah. point you're getting you're getting you're getting it shown yeah whatever. i would, i would say so because it because it, it just looks weird and it looks impressive regardless of who's involved and who did it so i, I genuinely think the only <laughs> exception and i'm not just doing this to dig you out dave 
is would be City Watford because that scoreline has become we've become so normalised to ludicrous mm. scores. Mm. I just can't imagine anyone like who's who's going to be surprised or impressed by City seven Watford nil. I just so think. would you film a, a Watford one City nil? I'd be side. more likely to film Watford <laughs> one City nil than City seven Watford nil. Genuinely, I think that would be more remarkable. I'd say it's given the, the real balance of the scales has been found there. Well done. Yeah, if I'll, that I'll, was to keep them dream. up. Then that's yeah. then you know if that was significant, especially significant, I think then I think you could be fine. Good stuff. This might be a bit more clear cut. I actually I think this is a disgrace. Frankly, this is from um, <laughs> from Jason Button. Uh, this is ahead of Sunderland's League One playoff semi final first leg against Sheffield Wednesday on Friday night. Friday night. This tweet was sent out on Monday, and Sunderland tweeting the obligatory moody picture of their stadium with a sunset behind it and the caption above quite simply calm before the storm four days <laughs> before the game <laughs> i've never seen a calm before the storm four days before a game have they checked the weather report <laughs> there could be some midweek storms don't, on the way don't do that <laughs> you're doing it again <laughs> focus on the issue at hand it's too early isn't it dave of course it is it's madness the it's- stage is set almost the stage is not far from being set. I think it has to be day of the game. I would accept the day before. Just about, maybe. maybe. Yeah. And if, yeah. If it was a Pushing it venue. for an evening game. Yeah, that's a tricky one. But in mitigation, Charlie, you know, the regular season has ended. All you can think about is that game for the rest of the week. So I kind of get it. You've got to, you've got to tweet something out. You've got to gauge the mood somehow. But then where do you go the next few days? <laughs> I know. <laughs> The stage is set. Stage is set can well, only be the day of the game. If anything, it has to be like directly before kickoff. Stage is set has to be very close to kickoff. I think they've got some, some things wrong here on a technical level because I, I don't think an exterior shot of the stadium should really qualify for calm before the storm because it looks the same. It's, it doesn't look any any less calm on a match day. That shot that they've put of the stadium for me, the the archetypal calm before the storm is from a journalist who's inside the ground before the fans. So is it? So there's an empty pitch. There's no one in. It's calm before the oncoming storm. Storm. <laughs> and then the stage. The stage is set. Is when everyone's in. The crowd are in. Everyone's oh. ready for the performance. I don't know though. I think stage is set can also be a bit before everyone. I think that can also be a little bit of a journalist setting up the pitch. Everything's ready. The fans aren't quite in, but yeah, stage the is stage set as soon as set. the first non-paying person comes into the stadium. I think you might be right. In fact, I think I've got a handy schedule for you here that might well define this once and for all. Let's assume an 8pm kickoff for the match in question. Calm before the storm, 8am to 12pm. Stage is set. Maybe with a, maybe maybe that first one with like the guy doing the pitch. Yeah. You know, grab the grounds team just doing the lines or something. Yeah, anymore. maybe. Heavily implying that the, the game is still quite a way away. Yeah. Yeah. Stage is set can be midday to 6pm because that's when the, the game is getting closer. People would, in theory, be preparing to go to the game for which the stage is already set. Then from 6 until 7.59, the wait is nearly over. <laughs> and then from 7.59 to kickoff, the talking is over. <laughs> that's when the talking stops, isn't it? You can, you can talk all the way up until one minute before kickoff, I think. And, t- and TV stations so often Unless do. there's a minute silence. <laughs> Which is what the minutes... Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> the time yeah. for talking is definitely over, honestly. Can, can people please shut up? Shut up. I Stop mean, there's something talking. as well, isn't isn't there sort of forecasting, you know, in, in about an hour, the roof's going to come off this place. 
that sort of thing. But again, I think you have to be fairly close in to start making those sort of forecasts. Yeah, irresponsible from Sunderland. Not for the first time. Reckless. Could put their promotion in jeopardy just with that tweet. I mean, if um, Sheffield Wednesday have sticking that up on the dressing room wall, Dave, they'll probably all look at it and go, <laughs> bit early, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the Twitter admin. They're running in scared. In Declan Rice language. Yeah. Um, next up, CJ asks us, Dave, who is the most get subbed off because a defender gets a red card player of all time? Oh. And what's the specific criteria to Amazing. be this kind of player? Uh, I'm all right with the second question, but I can't. I've got, I've got one idea for the first. The player, people that spring to mind <laughs> initially, I, I'm thinking Arsenal. I'm thinking a Granite Xhaka red card. And I'm thinking any of Martinelli, Nketiah, Pepe, any of those sort of forward players who oh, so you, well, you could be dispensed with. Someone a defensive with. midfielder being sent off. Potentially, if you needed to maintain the shape and just go one up front. Not sure about well, this, there was Charlie. A, there, was, there was a famous example of this. You mentioned Arsenal. When Jens Lehmann, obviously it's slightly different when it's a goal, when he got sent off mm. in the Champions League final, mm. they actually had the, they had a lot of players to choose from. And it was Perez, I'm pretty sure, who yeah. got subbed. And that was, was the end of his Arsenal career. Oh. And, every, and it was a kind of... He was furious about it. Um, but was he the standout candidate, though, would you say? Well, it was him or Jumberg, really. Yeah. But Jumberg was more sort of ran around. A bit more industrious, like, isn't he? Yeah. It, ha- it has to be someone who you're probably going to be in attack. I don't think you take a striker off because they're too useful. Mm. They're too much of a. That's why I'm saying sort of the wide, sort of wide forward. Yeah, I think Luxury it's a wide players, forward. basically, is what mm. we're going for. It, here. It, Kind of, yeah. 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 Um, but unless you're a superstar, which definitely wouldn't happen. So you have to be sort of the second ranking attacking players. You also have to be small and or quick because those two things seem to be quite disposable in, in that context. We, we can get by without those things. So I would say Juan Mata is quite disposable because he's small but not quick, which makes it even worse because he definitely oh, yeah. can't do with him then because we've only got 10 men and we'll have to bring him off. So uh, yeah, Juan Mata seems very hooked. Yeah, that's a good shout. I mean, earlier this season, Sessignon, I don't think it was for a red card but Spurs were 2-0 down they're like we've got to change something and he was taken oh, off right. and again it was in a kind of yeah sorry mate but that fits just, he definitely fits yeah I, and which because yeah. that's more his fault you, though isn't it the sort of player that you see in this scenario is like oh it's so unfortunate he just got back into yeah. the team sort of you, preventing yeah. him from going on a run or whatever you, you, you watch them closely to... when they come off as well, Charlie. It's like, how badly yeah. are they going to take it? Yeah, you have to be able to imagine a sort of forlorn look because you need you need to convey the perfect sense of... The ideal here is you're showing, I'm a professional and I'm furious that I've been taken off because, boy, do I want to stay on and help the team. But also you're not chucking down your tracksuit top and being a not-team player because you have to understand that needs much. Oh, yeah, no, completely. But bearing in mind that I feel like we're all roughly on the same wavelength about what type of player gets brought off here. Dave... In this eventuality, no one should be surprised that they're that player. I feel like you should know if you're that player. Like, quite matter yeah. you know that he's coming off. Or, like, immediate, immediately casting a glance at the bench when the, when, when the red card's been shown and, and jogging to the other side of the pitch. But I think, Adam, even if you know it, you can't show that. I think that's too much, <laughs> yes. of, an, I think that's too much of an admission of <laughs> I'm dispensable. I think you have to look over. It's kind of like when you're pretending you think a throw-in's yours. Right. And the ref gives it and you have to be like, what? No, I thought it was, oh, I think you have you to slightly look because, over and be like... Are you, are you saying it's because you don't want the player to fall foul of the, well, you know, I, I don't want to see players happy to come off. Exactly. Well, right, there's yeah, that as well. Okay. Exactly. That, that's what I mean about the perfect balance you is you're annoyed, but not too annoyed. Yeah. You know, I, I, I want my players to be angry about coming off. This, that, that rule, which is, which by the way, is watertight, bulletproof, absolutely fine rule, Dave, should apply to players sort of getting brought off five minutes before the end of their last ever game. 
when they're sort of applauding the crowd. <laughs> right, that's it. Career's over. He's happy to come off. Good. Retiring just at the right time. <laughs> yeah. Good. Get rid of him. Fine. Good. We've nailed that one. Next up, potentially even trickier. Rob asks Charlie, what is the most he's a blank by trade position? Feels like right back to me, but I wonder if central midfield is also a possibility. What's the most position by trade? By tradey position. Centre back? Centre half? By trade? Just centre half Centre by half. Trade. There's something quite industrial about that that seems to work. I think there's two things to there's two things here. We have to first of all we have to ask ourselves Charlie which which is the position that's most by tradey. That's fine. Second thing is the context in which it's said, which yeah. is usually because that player is now playing somewhere else. Yes. So a center half playing up front would would appear to me to be both the most frequent example of this and also the most jarring and obvious and worthy of comment. Therefore, the position he's moved from center half becomes the most by tradey position. And yeah. you could also get centre halves out at right back, like a yes. like a like a doing yeah. a job, some big tall centre back who doesn't really know what he's doing out there. Is it centre half? I mean, we, sh- we should nail down as well because I think they come broadly in two. One is uh, in mitigation. Look, I mean, he's a centre half by trade. Mm. The other is, you know, he's a centre half. He's gone. And, <laughs> he's gone and played there. Like he's played there his whole. He's career. finished that like a centre forward. He's <laughs> yeah, attacked you know. the ball like a centre forward. He's a centre half by <laughs> <I> trade. Mean- <laughs> By trade. I love it. It's such it's a good so thing. Good. To say. Again, it's so good. Again, never hear it anywhere else. Yeah. He's a plumber by trade, but he's come in and he's <laughs> built that wall. I've, I've become obsessed with how incredible this is that we talked about the other day, that these <laughs> antiquated phrases that we use are, are just time-proof. And, yeah. and, sti- and just, it, it's amazing that that's happened. Well, I'm a spark by trade, but I can have a look under the yeah. seat for you. <laughs> <laughs> Just wouldn't say it. You wouldn't say it. Oh, I'm going to start saying it as much as I possibly can. Um, but yeah, okay, centre half is it by trade. But I, I would accept Rob's suggestion of right back as well. I think anywhere across the back four is fairly by trade. You probably don't need it for goalkeepers, do you? He's a no, no it's fairly trade. obvious. He's wearing gloves. Yeah. yeah. He's a goalkeeper. Um, I think there'd be more it. remarkable aspects of it. To co- It'd be more obvious mm. if you were I wouldn't have it for strikers, Dave. Scored. You could conceivably have a Dion dublin Chris sutton guy going back into the centre of defence, but still feel like you wouldn't need to say it. That's more of an emergency sort of situation, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know. Throwing together two of these, do you think there's a, for my, a most for my sins position <laughs> to play? If someone, if you were... Making yeah, talk it's, someone about. it's oh, left back. We've, you think left back? It's the Sunday sense. league mentality here. It's the last position yeah. you want to play. Maybe right back. Maybe right back for my sins. Or goal, goalkeeper, because the whole misunderstood loner thing there, mental. Yeah, it could be. I'm a goalkeeper yeah. for my sins. Yeah, that. Mm. You know, if you're not a professional and you're playing goal, you should be slightly embarrassed Because <laughs> you can't play football. That's what it means, doesn't it? Yes. For your sins. <laughs> for your sins of not spending enough time in your childhood perfecting the art of outfield play. Seems like a sin to me. Um, who's ready for Keys in Grey Corner? Ford Super Sunday. First up, I can't think of a broadcaster slash studio panel who would dedicate this much time to, I can't even call it a controversy, but here they are, Richard Keyes, Andy Gray and Nigel de Jong discussing the amount of, of recognition Everton players gave to the fans outside Goodison Park <laughs> after they got off the bus. And that's different personalities, isn't it? Exactly. I know in my team, 
I could tell you probably about half a dozen, seven or eight that would have come out and gone like that. Yeah, I, given what, it that. what I'm saying to you is, and I, I can want, also I want think manager, of five or six Andy. who would have just come off and walked into the dressing room. Mm. You know, I could, you know, whether just every Everton player is just like that, and that's a personality. I don't know, but I know if Peter Reid walked off that bus and me and Sharpie, <laughs> people like that, what, what about you'd acknowledge Steps them. off that bus and reacts to those supporters by just applauding them and saying thank yeah. you. Well, What's look, a look at the young boy Gordon. Gordon's doing the same thing, and it's not, you can't say to him that he's not an Everton Brett. You know, no, he loves the club as well. So he's a has kid. nothing to do. I would just like some of them guys to have just turned to the nervousness kill, yeah. as he came off yeah, that yeah, bus. Of course, the nervousness. Just even if it's just a little one hand up, yeah, I would have done. Of course, we understand. Because they've been there for ages already. We are, I understand that. I really do. And especially when you see the little kids. And look at those young that. lads. Look, look, you know, yeah. just, just yeah, respectfully but acknowledge the fact that they've come out and made an effort. Yeah, I know, but... With dad or mum. Maybe that's Saturday. a measure of what every single Evertonian is feeling right now today. What, scared? Yes. Um, <laughs> once again, Charlie. With so dad much, or So much to enjoy. Obviously, um, one of the... Uh, the under the radar hits of that is uh, is Keezy's or, or could be a woman could be a woman or mum um, that's so good um, but I think perhaps the most worrying aspect of this whole discussion Charlie is it's a little bit football cliche it's a little bit close to what we would be talking about how should a player acknowledge the crowd after they get off the bus mm. I'm concerned mm. I yeah. am concerned it's true it's not a million it's not hard to imagine us doing a what's the most <laughs> team who would be involved in a waving at fans controversy Everton. discussion <laughs> And it, would, and it would 100% be Everton. But it wasn't a controversy. No one else was talking about it, surely. I can't understand why they picked up on this, Dave. It's absolutely mental. Yeah, and I love that De Jong is so in tune to, their, to, to sort of their sensibilities that he leaps on the fact that the homegrown kid doesn't mm. do it either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's just a kid. He's just a kid. Yeah, I love that. Implication. He's just a kid, though. He doesn't know any better. <laughs> that sort of thing. They're you all learn. filing off the bus, and Michael Keane walks towards the camera, and Keezy sort of chips in with, "He looks scared." <laughs> if if Peter Reed got yeah. off that bus, oh, brilliant! Because you were just waiting yeah. for that, weren't you? But, Can you imagine Reedy? What's amazing? I mean, they obviously because it is a sort of um, paint by numbers controversy. Mm. If players don't applaud fans at the end of a game, that's always a thing yeah. of like, you know, it was a disgrace, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I guess it's just an, a natural extension of that of like they're not acknowledging the fans, but before the game, they're yeah. in the zone. Exactly. De Jong was very logical about this. He says they're just focused. Like, what's the big deal? Basically, is what his argument was. Like, what are you caring? Why do you care about this? But um, <laughs> the moment it got Dave to. Andy Gray basically discussing uh, acknowledgement techniques. This is what yeah. I got. Oh my god! <laughs> they, they're onto us. They're stealing our game. Yeah, but so this, we, this just is... put up a hand. <laughs> just look to your left and put up a hand. <laughs> I can imagine us asking Ned Manure or someone. You know, what what was your go-to? Acknowledge the fans as you. Uh, yeah. As, what's as it you like to the acknowledge ground? the fans after you get off the bus before a big game? <laughs> Three thousand words, please. Okay. So we know we've established You it. can't top that, No, Keys are great, are getting eerily close to football cliches territory. But let's What's get... a linchpin, Andy? <laughs> it's horrible. This is something <laughs> they would discuss, annoyingly. You can't but... say safety zone. Yes, eerily close, as I said. But do you know what? Let's get eerily closer. This is from the podcast... And they're discussing the often unsociable hours of working in broadcasting. Well, it's like our job anyway, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. 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 yeah no, exactly. Everyone's a holiday at Christmas. Where are we working? Freezy's always said, and he's absolutely working? right, we party at different times. You have to. Absolutely. Yeah, because we work when everybody else is on holiday. Okay. That's just how it is. <laughs> mm. And I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> 
I'd rather go shopping in Sainsbury's on a Monday than I would on a Saturday, wouldn't oh, yes. you? Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah big big say no's. Yeah, I was at Marks and Spencer's the other day. In the Monday. You weren't? I was. No, you weren't. You were at Marks and Spencer. There's no S. It's not plural. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, dear, dear. Marks and Spencer. Marks and Spencer. There you go. It's like Atletico. People talk about Atletico Madrid. No, Atletico Madrid. There is no H in Atletico Madrid. (laughs) Have they just planted their flag on our territory? (laughs) (laughs) But I think as well, Keezy's wrong. I think Gray's assumption is that it's a possessive rather than a plural. I think that's what he's imagining rather than a plural Spencer. Well, Obviously, we can't know the inner workings of Andy Gray's mind. Well, (laughs) Keezy can, but uh, that's more. Also, yeah, the Shrevesy reference. Yeah. Absolutely sensational. We party at different times. That's what we do. That's what we we have have to do. We have to. And I wouldn't have it any other way. (laughs) Big Sanos. Big Sanos. How many Big Sanos are there in Doha? I know, I was thinking (laughs) that. Yeah, I didn't get it. I mean, but I know there are Marks and Spencer uh, around the world, but yeah, incredible to imagine imagine Andy Gray (laughs) there, but Big Sanos. On a tangent, by the way, I I yesterday saw... um, Mark Noble giving an interview with Jeevesy and and calling him uh, calling him Jeff very matey and I just thought could there be a more Shrevesy pally interviewee than Mark Noble yeah. in the current Premier League era? They yeah. just felt so right. Like how many top mans must they have exchanged to one another? I, I dread to think. I think to qualify for that status, you have to be Mister of your club. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's probably. And true. then you have to have been interviewed by Shrevesy at least ten times over the years. Because that's I only then do you get that palliness. I think Lampard is a frequent Jeffer. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, he. I, I guess when Lampard retired, though, as a player, Noble probably inherited that title. Yeah. I can't think of anyone in between, though. That, that feels like the natural lineage. Though, obviously, with Noble retiring, I wonder who feels like that's good. That might be harder to get. I, th- I think big Pat Davison is well on the way to to forming those sorts of relationships, I think. Especially with the younger guys. you you're Bukayo Sackers of this world. I think he's. Oh, I can't ever see that though. I can't see Bukayo being pally with Pat Davidson. No, only in a broadcasting sense. Like enough to sort of chat conversationally in front of a Sky Sports camera in a, in a you know in an oddly black room with that massive spotlight all over them. I just don't see him as a first name dropper. I don't see any of those young players as a first name dropper really. I think it's such a because I can imagine Noble and Lampard playing golf with Jeff Reeves. Yeah. You mm. cannot imagine mm. Bukayo Saka no. socializing with Patrick Davis. No, fine. <laughs> <laughs> and that's an a shame. And that's image. a shame. It is. Yeah, they yeah. they they will have ex- Jeff and um Nobes. Mark Noble Nobes. They will have exchanged drinks together. You know, they'll have been at a charity golf day. And, yeah, all sorts of stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, to- talking about who's got the most silver living room between them. Cool, you got a new motor, Shrevesy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's, about that's time, Shrevesy. Yeah. Yeah. Getting, yeah. getting his mic on. Cool, you're doing yeah. well. Yeah. You're driving today. <laughs> Sky paying you too much, are they, Jeff? <laughs> really good. Really good. You're a fine one to talk, Nobes. <laughs> good adjudication panelling, Dave and Charlie. Thanks to you both. Thank you very much. Thank you. We'll be back on Thursday. See you later, everyone. Big say no's. The Athletic.